Hello everyone, this is Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and thanks for listening to the Optimistic Outlook. Our 2022 episodes have had a big focus on the bipartisan infrastructure law. And I know something our team is really excited about is the law's emphasis on transitioning the country to electric vehicles. Electric mobility represents a significant step towards decarbonizing the economy. And so how do we make this transition happen faster? At Siemens, we think one big part of the answer is building a national EV charging network. In fact, if you go back a few episodes to the one called Inside a New EV Charging Breakthrough, we gave you a look at an exciting announcement we made with green construction technology company called Nexi. Together, we've created a sustainable EV charging concept that can scale quickly at parking lots and buildings as we work to build a national EV charging network. I'll now share with you a more recent announcement. Our financing arm, Siemens Financial Services, has committed to invest in Electrify America, the largest open, ultra-fast EV charging network in North America. So what I want to do in this episode is take you where the action is to shape our electric future. I'm going to bring you inside an event we hosted recently with United for Infrastructure at our EV charging manufacturing hub in Wendell, North Carolina. During this event, we heard from North Carolina leaders about the partnerships helping them accelerate EV infrastructure deployment and their lessons learned along the way. This discussion has a North Carolina focus, but the topics covered here are applicable everywhere as funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law now reaches state and local governments. We kick things off with video comments from Federal Transit Administrator Nuria Fernandez. This was followed by discussions with North Carolina Congresswoman Deborah Ross and North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. I then had a chance to join a moderated discussion with Brian Savoy and Charles Latuka. Brian is the Chief Strategy and Commercial Officer for Duke Energy. They're headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina, with electric utilities serving more than 8 million people in six states. And Charles is the president and CEO of Go Triangle, which provides bus services in North Carolina's Research Triangle region. We heard the governor call this, quote, the most transformational period of our lifetimes when it comes to infrastructure. He added, we have an opportunity to do this now in a time where we can take advantage of clean air and energy, when we can build and invest in infrastructure in a more resilient way. Governor Cooper made a connection between electric mobility and North Carolina's goals to drastically reduce carbon emissions by the end of this decade. And in making the case for climate action, we heard the governor emphasize not just the urgency, but the business case, a business case that our Wendell facility showcases. We now have 550 people working in Wendell, supporting charging solutions for heavy duty electric bus fleets. And we've added more than 100 new jobs in just the past two years as we've grown our support for the electrification of U.S. transit. Let's start with this. Climate change is an existential threat to our planet. And all of us collectively have to work to fight it. So we start with that premise, and that's, that's a scientific fact. But even if you don't believe that, even if you don't care about that, you need to care about the transformation to clean energy, both in the power sector and in our transportation sector, because of the job 
the jobs and the money that it's going to bring to our state. Okay, so let's get into the panel discussion to get viewpoints representing Duke Energy and Go Triangle. These are two very important customers for Siemens, and we're thrilled to be in an ecosystem with them, working together to make electric mobility a reality. This session was moderated by Patrick Sable, then United for Infrastructure's co-founder and CEO. And what we're presenting here are edited portions of the conversation. You'll hear Patrick lead in with a question for Brian Savoy representing Duke Energy. And again, Charles leads Go Triangle. We're in this moment where we've kind of gone from, from famine to feast, right? That we have American Rescue Plan money, we have bipartisan infrastructure law money, um, certainly a lot of opportunities here. And how are you kind of adapting to this moment? What kind of new partnerships are you developing in order to, to really meet customers, whether they're a big corporation or whether they're a family trying to make buy? We serve millions of customers in, in the Southeast and, and most in, in the North Carolina rely upon us to deliver reliable, affordable, clean energy each and every minute of the day. And customers expect more. They're adopting electric vehicles. They're putting solar panels on their roof. It's our job to make it a seamless transition for customers as, as this penetrates more and more. At, at, the, at the fringe, when um, these technologies are nascent, the grid can absorb this, but over time, we have to get much smarter about the investments in the grid so that we can enable all these new technologies, multi-way power flows, and we're doing just that. We're taking the data um, at, the, at the meter level to learn our customers' load patterns, our usage patterns, and applying that into our investment profiles to say, where can we get the most bang for our buck as we, as we use precious resources um, to invest in the grid and harden it so we can deal with new technologies as, as electrification takes hold. As customers learn more about energy storage, and you know, you adopt an electric vehicle, you have a battery on wheels. How, what do we do with that battery? How do we use that battery more than just for your car? So we're thinking about those next use cases on the electric vehicle batteries beyond just moving you around. And Barbara, when you work with your customers, when you work with folks like Go Triangle or Duke, how are you adapting to meet them? Because I feel like these demands are being placed on everybody to adapt. This is the decade of the Internet of Things. And if you thought the Internet of People brought a lot of digitalization and a demand for electricity, wait till we start to see that in orders of magnitude more. And so here's a company that has built its whole business strategy around these megatrends, climate change, urbanization, the aging demographics of people all around the world. Here are people with know-how in electrification, automation, digitalization, sustainability, and what we wake up for every single day as actually both suppliers to and as customers of these critical infrastructure leaders is how can, we, how can we drive that future that's more sustainable, more equitable? How can we make sure that we build the workforce that's actually pulling in opportunity for all those people around us? It's gonna take all of us. And like the governor said, we're in a moment. There is an existential threat and it's gonna take all the talent we've got to tackle it. I like to point out, in fact, just had this conversation with some of our employees, there is only win-win or lose-lose. There is no win-lose, especially now. So everywhere we go, we've got to be looking for mutual wins. 
Well, I think also as we're talking about mutual wins, specifically in North Carolina, again, part of the reason we came here is not just because Siemens has a great facility and they're great partners, but North Carolina is a leader on this issue. So looking at that, I wanted to start again with, with Charles. Um, you know, you've bought your first couple EV buses. You've been in the transit industry for a long time. Um, what did you wish you knew jumping into this? What we found is that, look, we're a regional transit agency. So how does an electric bus work for a regional transit agency that provides 8% of the ridership but takes them 30% of the mile? So our buses have to be out there all day long and they have to go long distances. And what we found is that the technology, not quite there yet. So we can put a bus on the road for half a day and then have to bring it back and charge it again and put it out for the next day. So not as flexible as a diesel bus, but the technology is coming along so quickly. Uh, the batteries are coming along uh, so quickly. The charging systems are advancing very quickly. Matter of fact, uh, NC State got a federal grant to uh, experiment on building a faster charging system for a transit vehicle. Uh, we offered them one of our buses uh, so they could practice uh, their charging system on our bus. I hope the bus survives uh, the experiment. Uh, but it is, uh, but I gotta tell you, we're at three more buses on order. Uh, all the other transit agencies have buses on order. Uh, the, the EV fleet is growing in the triangle. Um, and uh, we really hope uh, in the next two years, and I'm sure it will happen, the next two or three years when we uh, order our next bus, that the technology will be there to put a bus out there all day long and have more flexible charging options that they can charge along the road uh, uh, as they travel. So uh, looking forward to all that and, uh, and also the great technology that they're creating here at Siemens. Breaking in here again for just a second, you're about to hear Patrick with a question for Brian. Patrick points out that North Carolina has very ambitious goals to reduce carbon emissions. Brian then helps us understand the role of Duke Energy in making these goals a reality. Are there any lessons learned that you could you know, share with other utilities, other states that are gonna eventually have to go down the road that, that Duke's going down right now? One thing that comes to mind is the grid readiness to enable renewables at scale, right? Um, we need proactive investments, we are doing that, and it, it takes multi-year planning to do that, right? So if uh, these, these investments in the grid don't, don't come together in a month, they, they take two or three years to come together. So we need to lay the runway, just like you build a highway when traffic is congested, we need to build the highway for electric, electricity so that we can hook on all the distributed resources that are coming to drive the clean energy transition. And Barbara, clearly you have a big commitment to the state. Again, we're, we're sitting in one of your facilities. Um, so you have a lot of experience with North Carolina policy on a, a very practical level, but also you work across the United States and Siemens as a global corporation also is learning lessons from everywhere. So um, what can other states and localities do to kind of mirror or build on North Carolina's work? When you look across the country, some of this is first, experimenting, putting together the partnerships that are going to be able to try something and get it going. Go Raleigh and, and getting those first buses out is key to learn the lesson and be prepared on Rev2. Now, share the lesson. Recently, I had the opportunity to meet with Mayor Landrieu as he is, you know, really, uh, he's crossing the nation talking to all of us about how the federal dollars are going to roll out. And what I think I'm seeing in states across the country is networks within the state, but also regionally, to try to help each other take best advantage of the dollars that are coming through. One of the best ideas is to take advantage of 
areas where someone else has solved the problem, figured out how to integrate technology, see if you could get with them and find out what kind of contracting vehicles they're using. Because some of this is just, it's not only knowing that it exists, it's knowing how to get to it. Now, every state has its own regulatory framework. But, but I'll tell you, we at Siemens are going to take this really seriously. We're going to take every step we can. We've got to press the easy button. Down the line again with Charles, we talk a lot about these, these big picture ideas around, you know, climate and all these things which are fantastic. And, but how does this actually help somebody get to school or make sure that they have the economic opportunity that they don't have to own a car or they have the opportunity to you know, have a more flexible life? In many ways, uh, you know, having more bus fleet, having a better bus fleet that's more, uh, more cost effective to use, uh, that means we can provide more service. If it costs me less money to run a bus, I can provide more service on the, on the road. We're all uh, I would say, hell-bent on making sure that we provide that service. And uh, we're looking at expanding our services, right? So we're building new t type of transit systems. We're going to build commuter rail. We're going to build bus rapid transit systems. And I think there's a role for uh, electrification in all of these new systems uh, to play, and that uh, we look forward to uh, what technology is going to bring us. Because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, while we may want a new train, uh, we would love that train to be a clean energy train, if it's possible. The fact that if you're, you know, you're waiting at a bus station, there aren't diesel fumes. I mean, I heard somebody say the other day to me, and it wasn't, I forgot what meeting it was, but, you know, uh, we put school children, uh, uh, you know, in, in uh, have them board buses. They're all gathered together, and they call them diesel farms. So we, uh, you know, expose our children to these diesel farms, those fumes. And, uh, you know, what sense does that make? So, you know, the technology, as it advances, it's, it's going to be more accessible, and school districts will be able to afford to buy more electric buses, too. And, and Brian, we talk about, you know, how big the federal investment is, but what does that actually mean for your customers? What kind of improvements can they look forward to in their everyday lives? You know, Patrick, a, a lot of the investments that we have planned for the next decade involve transitioning out of fossil fuels, moving into clean energy, and making the grid ready. And you know, on the, on the grid side, which is the closest to the customer, because these other investments are further away, whether you know, they're integrating other renewables or, or uh, generation that, that we operate and own. Um, but on the grid side, we're putting things like self-healing systems so that when there's an outage, the whole circuit doesn't go down. Only a, a, couple, of, a couple of locations go down, a couple of residents, a couple of businesses, because the circuit's rerouted automatically. So there's the, the, Barbara mentioned Internet of Things. It's Internet of Things on the grid so that it can autonomously operate when we have, when we have challenges, when trees fall on the lines or what have you. Things happen. Yeah, I always think about this as stuff where you shouldn't have to think about it, and that's kind of the win, right? <laughs> it's essential for life, and you, don't, you shouldn't have to think about it. That's mm -hmm. our job. And so, uh, Barbara, I think it's really interesting to kind of pivot to you because, again, um, Siemens as a corporation has made huge commitments to, to this policy area and to providing the fundamental technologies that will drive these changes. What are you excited about with this big transition we're, we're facing right now? One of the things I'm most excited about is the Ford F-150 Lightning. We are the charging partner for Ford. Is it a car? Is it a truck? Or is it a home energy resilience system? Right? That's the question we can now ask. As we bring more electrified items onto the grid, we now have an opportunity to give one more tool to the utilities to generate value and one more thing to make our lives more fulfilling. So we're working on projects like this all over the place. Uh, go with me to Chicago, to Bronzeville, 
south of Chicago, um, the, um, the ComEd has a project there where they've implemented a microgrid. And it's, they're experimenting with the kind of uh, technologies that are going to make it possible for that community as it's redeveloped to provide all that quality that the governor talked about in his vision. We can connect anyone, anywhere. Brian, um, switching over to you, what kind of flexibility or what, what can the federal government do to help you achieve these goals or, or to, to give you the opportunity to really succeed in what you're doing right now? The conversations that we've had and, and I've been engaged in uh, very frequently with, with the DC um, uh, leaders has been they want shovel-worthy projects, right? It's not this year. It doesn't have to be shovel-ready. It needs to be shovel-worthy because it is a multi-year plan. Um, and, you know, we see a path to decarbonization to about 75%. We need about th that last 25% is going to take technology breakthroughs at commercial the, scale. The tough stuff. Is the awesome. really tough stuff. And what our conversations have focused on is how do we take that infrastructure money, how do they take it as a, the DOE, and allocate it in areas where it will advance the technology, buying down that R&D cost for customers so that it comes to scale faster. Because to hit our 2030 ambition, we need some. And we need more by 2035 if we're going to retire all of our coal. And that's, those are the steps that, that I think the, uh, the federal government will take as we move forward. All right, we're going to wrap things here, and I'll just quickly build on the comments you heard from Brian. To improve customer experience and drive EV adoption, you'll continue to hear Siemens making the case for open, accessible, and equitable electric vehicle charging technology. Key to this is interoperability. In short, this means that EV drivers should be able to pull up to any electric vehicle station the same way that they can pull up to any gas station today. We're encouraged by the continued movement we're seeing at a federal level to advance interoperability and in bringing a national EV charging network to life. And now you can go to our show notes to learn more about this and the announcements I shared in my opening comments. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform or to the Siemens YouTube channel. And if you have comments, feedback, or ideas for collaboration, send us an email at optimist.us at siemens.com.